We are Wrestling Elitist. I'm your master of ceremonies today, Christopher Moore, joined as always with Alex Grammys Gibson and Sean Slammys Nash. What's up, boys? Woohoo! Woohoo! What a year! What a year it's been. The most exciting day of the year for the Elitists. Very Truly. much so. As contentious as the PWI 500 and as derided as the Wrestling Observer Hall of Fame Awards, these are the Wrestling Elitists. A bit more right, distinguished. Calm down. calm down. Oh my god. Woo. This is going to set the industry up in a in a in a just a shit fit. We're gonna go over some things that are <laughs> so controversial, so hot takey. We could make a show of, you know, you could practically this could be, you know, Booker T, Bubba, and Stephen A. Smith right now. You never would know. Mm-mm. It's gonna be that hot takey. Yeah, it's gonna be hot takes and uh and <laughs> And it's also you when you you said this is going to set the industry. I thought you were going to say set the industry back. So I'm glad that that's not where you're going. Right. <laughs> Put it on fire. <laughs> well, I think it's going to be just kind of saying the bleeding obvious with some of these categories. Yeah. But a lot of a lot of things that we've been preaching all year. Yeah, exactly. basically, exactly. So this is more of a show where we're just going to go over everything that was great in this really outstanding year of wrestling that was amazing and newsworthy but sean why don't you run down for the folks what some of the top awards are we've got awards for the best wrestlers of the year best match best pay-per-view rookies tags angles cringes moments and the indie wrestlers i need a little spotlight too yeah so okay the first award that we're going to give out and this is no surprise we've been banging this drum since i don't know maybe the first quarter of the year but wrestler of the year for the men is dax harwood (laughs) we've been calling it all right so let's go with you sean what what made dax your obvious choice i mean going back all the way to last year probably by the time we did this he had that uh i think he had a great match Someone at the end of the year, I can't remember. But he's had a phenomenal singles uh, set of matches this whole year, uh, starting off with Cash Wheeler as tag team partner, then losing Adam Cole in the Owen Hart tournament, followed by Jay Lethal, Will Ospreay, Claudio, Brian Danielson, and the forgotten about CM Punk. Um, yeah. Add in all the tag matches he had in FTR, it's, it's almost undeniable to say that he had the wrestler of the year distinguished honor. Yeah, he uh, he he did a great job all year, and all those matches. I think he gave people a moment where they're like, "Oh my god, I want Dax to win here, or he might win here. This is going to be the one that he does it." Uh, unfortunately, it hasn't happened. I think that they need to pull that trigger soon if they're going to, uh, because as much as these are dream matches, they can be a little bit at a certain point where it's like, okay, there's not a whole lot of reason behind them. There's not a whole lot of um, heat behind them. But he, he always pulls it off. He always makes them interesting. Um, obviously, he loves doing his uh, Hitman homages. Um, and uh, getting to see him have a little bit of a run in the Owen Hart tournament this year was nice. Uh, mm-hmm. Even getting to see him versus Cash. Uh, not who I would have anticipated at the top of the year at 2022 that this would be who we'd be saying. Not because he's not deserving, but um, this is the most singles wrestling we've seen from Dax, it seems like. So yeah. congratulations, Dax. Yeah, congratulations indeed. This was such a clear-cut, obvious choice. When you're the wrestler who's really been the driving force out of having arguably four or five-star matches, you think of the first matches with the Briscoes, then the match with the Bucks, the just days afterwards, that was unbelievable. Yeah. Uh, and then the match that he had um, with um, 
excuse me, Aussie Open that was also just unbelievable. And then finally to round out the year in a match that people also thought was the best match of the year, maybe one of the best matches of all time, the uh, dog collar match with the Briscoe. So just an unprecedented run. And we even haven't had a chance to see I think he did a match with Speedball that was on the Indies that isn't streaming. Yeah. That's a little bit harder to find. I think it was New Japan. Oh, New, okay. Um, but yeah, I mean, he's had such an incredible run that I don't know if anyone's going to top this next year. I mean, if you really think about it, those were outstanding top tier tag team matches. It's been truly uh, an amazing thing to witness. And he totally fucking deserves wrestler of the year. And he's probably going to be wrestler of the decade, at least one of them. Uh, based on how successful this year has been for him. And now all he's right, going to be doing a podcast. Now he's going to be doing right. a podcast. He's going to be jumping through all platforms. Yeah, yeah. we were joking. I just hope that we don't find out that he thinks, you know, processed food creates autism or something. You're just like, oh, Jesus. What? It's just like something terrible. Don't do that to us. <laughs> yeah. I mean, every indicator we've gotten from him is that he's an awesome dude with his like uh, shows on uh, Renee's uh, podcast. It's like, I hope. God, I hope there's no reason to fucking hate this guy. <laughs> yeah. All right, Sean, let's go ahead and say women's wrestler of the year. In the women's division, the the elite goes to Jamie Hayter. Undeniable. Meteoric rise this year. She, I actually saw uh, a clip on Twitter. Somebody posted a video of her from 2019 when she first came to AEW versus her presentation at Full Gear and just completely different even just in her own like confidence levels and everything like that like you've really seen um kind of a a pretty big rise in her and i think that you know the crowd seeing um at full gear how much the crowd was like ready to revolt if she didn't beat tony storm uh in the way that they that was one of the times where overbooking actually worked because it just puts you on the you know on, you had no idea what was going to happen the whole time. Um, she's had a great time, and I think that this is great to have this happen on the heels too of her match with Sheeta the other day. That oh, match yeah. was hard hitting. Um, I think I said that Tony versus Jamie Hader was the best women's match of really AEW's time, besides like the Brit um, like unsanctioned matches. Um, that one against Sheeta the, the other day, that one rivals it. It might be up there too. Um, it, it just felt like it wasn't like good for a AEW women's match. Cause AEW hasn't had a whole lot of AEW great women's matches. It was a good, it was a very, very good match. Um, that, that one had every reason to be, uh, had every reason to main event and they proved it. She hits hard. She doesn't hold anything back and she just really sells it all. She's a great seller. Even throughout the whole match doesn't really take a, a move off where she's kind of going back to just doing the motions. Yeah. Not to get political, but it just shows where the fan sentiment is now is we want someone like Jamie Hader who can wrestle. That isn't a, um, you know, someone who's going to have a use their 15 minutes of fame posing and playboy. And then they're rehearsing wrestling maneuvers. That's kind of what we've been presented in the John Laurinaitis era and the Vince McMahon era. Um, and this is w- real women's wrestling and it's impressive and it's fun as fuck to watch. And this is what the audience wants to see. So it's, um, 
it's going to bring a lot of change to have her as the champion, I think, too, because the match quality will be through the roof. Everyone's going to have to raise their game uh, to be able to compete with her and hang with her to get a response. And she's the real deal. Like, there's just an aura of like, oh, this person feels like the most credible wrestler possible. And those matches are on fire. That match with Sheeta was one of the best ever. Um, and she deserves a lot of praise. It's going to be something, too, when she gets to break out a little bit more and not have the interference stuff and just gets to win on her own merits but they're still kind of letting her win with physicality it's not like they're slipping on a banana peel kind of a thing yeah and just to add to that too i think um one thing that's interesting about her to me is don't get me wrong shido was a good was good as a champion yes brit brit was good um even tony was good but i think jamie to me feels like the first person that's going to elevate her opponent in terms of make you know, it doesn't even really matter who her dance partner is. It's going to be a good match because Jamie's going to wrestle at her style, um, which is the style that I think is, you know, more interesting for most people. So I think that she's actually really going to help even with some more of the green wrestlers. When you give somebody a shot, just because, you know, you want her to get a title defense, it's not going to feel so bland, like, you know, like a Jade match where she's just not, she's not elevating sky blue. (laughs) <laughs> totally totally poor sky blue she's getting better though i like sky blue but yeah she's, I'm the minority she's fine there. but yeah she's fine. um <laughs> moving on to our match of the year uh second award this time for uh dax already so it's ftr versus the briscoes at ring of honor super card of honor a show that the elitists were fortunate enough to be at this year uh you know, we were panicking that entire day, not knowing what time that show was going to be or what time that match was going to be on the show coming all the way, coming from Dallas, going to Garland. Um, I think our Uber driver, I didn't tell him that we were in a rush, but he was definitely in a rush himself. We were going like 80 on the freeway the whole time, 80 or 90. Um, and I'm so happy, happy for it because that was a fucking phenomenal match. Um, any thoughts that you have towards it, Chris? Yeah, I mean, I was going to say, without going on a long-winded tirade, I mean, this was the match that really made me feel like, oh, yeah, we're a part of something. Um, I knew that there's independent wrestling always going on during WrestleMania weekend, but I was so WWE-focused as a fan for so many years that it just seemed so indie to me. It was, like, easy to to diminish. And this was such a fun weekend filled with great matches and different venues and different buildings. And you really felt like you were a part of something. And this match really sucked in the audience. Um, We saw in Dynamite a couple of weeks ago is in the same building. That crowd just has an energy to it. The way the building is set up or that sound just travels in an amazing way. And Briscoe's and FDR, it felt like these guys really fucking hated each other. They wrestled very stiff, even though we were rows and rows out. It looked like they were just throwing potatoes at each other. And there was a Mm -hmm. legitimate big fight feel. And everyone was just like, in the moment, this is awesome. I'm so invested and sucked in. And they were doing not pedestrian stuff, but they were doing just stuff that like to start off, it was just traditional tag team wrestling. It wasn't anything crazy, but everything felt amazing because they did it at the right place, the right time, the right moment and everything, um, co-lined to make this great match. And it turned into a wonderful rivalry that really helped build ROH's pay-per-views, uh, in the shows forward. We woke up that day, not even 
planning to go to that show over a bowl of queso and chips. We decided we have to go. Really? This match is too big. Yeah, we uh, we bought oh, it when shit. we were like at lunch. That's it's right. The culmination of a just phenomenal day hit it with a perfect match that it would end up being just an even better feud. This this was to be live. This was perfect. I couldn't imagine if we would have missed this. This definitely really put home our first WrestleMania trip together and Alex and I's first WrestleMania weekend. I oh go ahead, Chris. I was gonna say, have you guys watched the match yet? Probably like that, the week after, but oh, okay, been, yeah. First quarter. I'm, I'm still afraid I've, to watch it in a way. Like I want, I don't want it to lose its like fuzzy charm in my mind. You know, I have bought the Ring of Honor service, and and so it's like, oh, I want to watch that match because that was the one that you're like, okay, I want to get it for this. But at the same time, I'm like, well, I just kind of want to keep that memory in my mind's eye of what it right. was, as opposed to watching again because it was so magical in person. I don't want to ruin the magic of things, but wasn't the one that we decided to go to last minute the uh, that was the Enzo show, the WrestleCon show. Um, was it? I thought so because uh, I thought that was it. But no, either way, I, I thought I we thought didn't we have to because we were going to go see that. Com- remember, because we were going to go to a comedy show, and then I got us out of that, those tickets. Um, oh, maybe you are right. Okay. Hmm. But I, I, cause I remember is so Alex is Santa Claus not real either. I mean, come on, jeez, yeah. <laughs> ruin it for all our fans. Well, <laughs> well, I just remember us panicking for the like weeks leading up of like, how are we going to be able to get to Garland from Dallas? And we had that uh, New Japan show that was going until yeah. like seven or eight, because um, it was quite the uh, quite the pack time. I I wish that WrestleMania was somewhere other than LA because I would have had more interest in going to even a Philly this year. Uh, although I probably don't need to be spending that money, but yeah, I, I just wanted to also add too, though. I think that, um, really any three of their matches this year could have been oh, yeah. match of the year. Um, mm-hmm. it's probably, a, there's a little bit of bias to it because it's the, the one that we went to, but also because it was the first one and the amount of heat that the crowd had just waiting for them to even touch was yeah absolute insanity. Cool. All right. Well, let's move on. Speaking of big shows, so let's go to the show itself. So our pay-per-view of the year was night one of WrestleMania. Um, This was such a fun show. Uh, I think we all have our own memories. Let's start with you, Sean. What stood out to you about this one? Uh, First WrestleMania, awesome to be Jerry World, huge, bigger than you could even think. And then the night goes on. We see the return of Cody to WWE, which was just hyped up and put on a great pageantry and the return of stone cold steve austin that that match was something i never thought i would see in my lifetime i'm so happy we were there couldn't couldn't have been a better time yeah we got to see stone cold come out um and that was that was something that i thought i would never see you got to see undertaker i mean granted takers was just for uh you know his hall of fame induction but still getting to have him come out and, and hear the uh hearing the gong, um, watching my cousin freak out for uh, Cody's re- return. <laughs> yeah. um, and and just in that moment, even like, you know, obviously we were, we were pretty critical of Cody and AEW, but in that moment, it was very exciting to have it truly be him, them deliver. It, it felt like a, a smaller scale version of the CM Punk thing because obviously they didn't sell out WrestleMania because on a rumor of Cody debuting, but it still had that like the world's worst kept secret feel 
and um, they they delivered on it, and the match was really good. And uh, yeah, there was there was really nothing to complain about. Uh, everything from the facility, Chris picked great seats for that. I think yeah. um, I wouldn't have really wanted to sit anywhere else. Like the only way you could say that could have been better is if we were a little bit more centered. But like, I didn't need to be. They were they were perfect. We were kind of close close to the ramp so we could kind of see stuff going on as uh as people were struggling with their entrance cars and things like that um <laughs> yeah, just a, a memory a memory that like i was excited to go to wrestlemania because it was wrestlemania but now i'm almost nervous to go to another wrestlemania because that one set the bar so high yeah uh god jerry world is the best stadium in the world i mean i think that's just such a amazing facility and i know i'm gonna hurt some feelings here but the stadium that we have in Detroit's a p- huge piece of shit. How dare you? It a concrete is. jungle? It absolutely is. But uh, such a dank, depressing. Ta- taxpayers aren't paying for a new one, so Cramps. we got to love it. Uh, yeah, yeah. Enjoy it while you can. Uh, Ishbia is not going to buy the Lions, so <laughs> there's no upgrades going to that fucking dump. Enjoy in Phoenix. But on the opposite side of it, I mean, Jerry World is like one of the greatest facilities I've ever been to in terms of a stadium. And every seat felt great. Um, It was such a good venue to tour around and just be a part of. And it captured an energy of like, holy shit, this is WrestleMania. And that crowd was so hyped to see uh, Stone Cold Steve Austin and Cody debuting. And like Alex said, we've much derided Cody the previous year because of his... um, you know, being cutesy and dragging his cringe feet about his status. presentation. Yes, in total cringe of the year for some of his antics. But that character and that presentation and that place was perfect. And that was exactly what was needed in that role. And it works amazingly well. And he's going to be a huge star when he does come back. But it did feel like a special classic WrestleMania moment that would get hyped up in video packages for years. And it was great to be a part of that crowd and atmosphere. Um, And just other things on that show that were good too, like Bianca and Becky had a really great uh, title match as well. Um, I think there was another match. Oh, the Rick Boogs got his like fucking leg broke. Yeah. Yeah. He got injured. That took away from that, but there was Mm. a lot of fun stuff on that show. Um, it was a great atmosphere and the pyro was awesome. WrestleMania does have an excellent production. So it was a cool show to witness live. Sean, are, are we going to talk about honorable mentions or? Oh, fuck. Yeah. I we mean, honorable mention in- goes to <laughs> the the next night, Triple H coming out and starting off WrestleMania night two, just after his whole heart debacle phenomenal little site but uh i believe there's another pay-per-view chris that you had in mind that uh yeah set, set the world on fire yeah my favorite of show of the year was was revolution revolution had the awesome jericho and kingston opener then you had the trio of the three-way tag team match of the red dragon young bucks and jurassic express mjf and cm punk adam cole and hangman i think there was another match was that the dog collar MJF? Yeah, Dog Holler, MJF. Yeah. And then I think there was another one that, oh, Danielson and Mox. That was like amazing too. That got forgotten by time a little bit. So I thought that was the best show of the year, but it didn't beat the energy and pageantry of WrestleMania for sure. For sure. Forgot about that. We're doing honorable mentions too. We just got a little excited. That happens sometimes. I, yeah. I, I was just going to say on that one, I think what's, well, what sucks for me is I didn't get to watch it live. I, 
kind of, I didn't, I was away. And uh, so I ended up kind of seeing like clips on Twitter or on Reddit and then ended up watching the show. And I think that that kind of hurts like for me, like I pay-per-views, like I need to f- watch them live, Either whether I'm there yeah. or not with your like, boys, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like it, it definitely, um, definitely just takes down a notch cause I'm not as hype if I'm watching it by myself on a Monday morning. Totally. Totally. For the wrestling elitist elite rookie of the year, going to go back to WrestleMania night one, Logan Paul kind of took the world by storm this year. Yeah, I said this when I mentioned Dax at the beginning of uh, when we gave him wrestle of the year. If you would have told asked me in 2022 who I thought wrestler or rookie of the year was going to be, Logan Paul would not have been in my top 3,000 guesses. But, uh, you know, I wasn't excited for that match. And even I, everything he's done, I haven't been like mo- like super excited for it, but the guy delivers. Um, you know, I'm glad that the the title match he had was in Saudi Arabia, where it's kind of you know those matches aren't really a part of WWE canon. It feels like they're just kind of hey, put on something big for um, you know for this pay per view, but it's not really, really going to play into much. Um, so I, I just feel like he, you know, I appreciate that he takes it seriously. You could tell that he actually cares that spot where he uh, dies onto Roman and he's selfieing the whole time. Yeah, that's that's an amazing spot. Um, I think he tore his ACL and MCL in that match as well. So he's somebody that has given a lot to the sport. I think, um, you know, just a lot of people come in for a payday. I think if Conor McGregor were to come to WWE, he would be just almost making a mockery of it. And, you know, there's a lot of the, like UFC guys that are that way or um just in general um even a- athletes but logan came in took it seriously and and delivered on on a grand stage yeah um we didn't have a good run of rookies this year i mean i think in terms of everyone was a talent that people knew of even when they would debut on whatever show but he does look like such a natural and you can't deny talent and you can't deny charisma and just someone having a weird innate sense of like, okay, that guy's a fucking pro wrestler. Mm -hmm. And he did a really good job. I believe trading with Shawn Michaels and you see a lot of Shawn in him, the way that he's able to just pop up and stretch his body and just go full tilt in these bursts. He does remind me a lot of Shawn on some of his mechanics and just running the ropes and things of that nature. Um, He's in a weird position, too, because he's like, shit, this guy should be someone that's on the show constantly. But then he also it diminishes his um, special attraction status. But mm-hmm. with WWE, you know, you typically reserve special attraction status for the big monsters or the guys that make it in Hollywood. So it is kind mm-hmm. of odd to see him in this weird role. Maybe his if he wasn't injury, uh, injured, he'd be a little bit more presently on the show. But here's to seeing him at WrestleMania again. I mean, he could put on a great match and hopefully he gets healthy and we see him on a regular basis because he's good. Like he's exactly the person WWE wants to have. The, yeah. The person who can go viral in an instant. The the youth love him. There's he's on every kind of platform there is. So that's that's perfect for their brand. Yeah. And and in, it's I just feel bad for him because you know he so badly wants to be a face i've like i've heard him even talk about like i've seen clips from his podcast like he wants to be a face but i don't know that i don't know that most no. fans will ever cheer him i couldn't do that no um i think we also had some uh, honorable mentions oh for sure um, 
So the first one being newest, one of the newest AEW signings, Kanosuke Takeshita. Uh, and then also Solo Sokoa from WWE. I think both of those two have been more of like kind of the the rookie of the year in, in terms of people who are going to hopefully be in wrestling for a really long time. Um, Solo Sokoa has come on and immediately kind of befriended uh, Sami Zayn. Uh, and, you know, joined the bloodline, has become their enforcer. Uh, I believe he helped uh, helped Roman beat Drew McIntyre at that uh, Clash of the yeah, was it Clash of the Castle. Um, oh, yeah. Clash of the Castle show. Um, I'm excited to see him, you know, be able to uh, grow as a performer. Uh, he also had a, a little time as the U.S. title holder in NXT. So he's uh, seen some gold already in WWE and um north american just oh oh yeah north american yeah uh the north american title and uh excited to see kind of what the next year holds for him and and when the bloodline breaks up i think that he could be somebody that you could really push as a single star takeshita too had just kind of like that almost those spots where dax just you know he was going in to lose the match but put on phenomenal matches with Twice with mm-hmm. uh, Moxley, Eddie Kingston, the list Claudio. goes on. Claudio, yeah, just perfect body, perfect style. It reminds you a bit of a Bushi, and you love to see it. Yeah, I like him a lot. I mean, I know he's not technically a rookie, whatever, because he's been with DDT, but he's a new to us. Our, yeah, he's a rookie to a North American audience, and uh, just his God, his Twitter is adorable. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, he's he's got a very wholesome uh, social media presence, which yeah. is not something you can say about most wrestlers. Many wrestlers. Uh, <laughs> uh, moving on to our tag team of the year, um, I guess I'm only giving awards out to FTR this week uh, or this yeah. year because <laughs> we have FTR, Dax, and Cash. Um, you know, there's been some times this year where they've just disappeared from TV, but I think it's almost just because they're too good. Like that's a, it's a it's a good problem to have is that they're almost sometimes hard to book without putting the titles on them when you want to tell other stories. Um, and so, you know, they had obviously their three matches with the Briscoes this year that were great. They've held the ROH titles. They've held IWGP titles. They've held, um, what is it? Triple a titles. Like yep. they have, mm-hmm. they've, they've really, uh, run the, uh, the gauntlet of, um, world, tag team titles and i think that uh they even put on a great match with um with the acclaimed a few weeks ago and managed to not do the whole like heel turn or anything like that in order to have people cheering for the acclaimed that says a lot for both of those teams i think the acclaimed for me are an honorable mention here just because of the rise that they've had but this was a no doubter as to who actually won it yeah, if, if this wasn't on match quality and just new star power, I think the acclaimed would get the nod. But again, as mentioned, if you have four or five star matches in one year and all of them could be debated as one of the best matches of all t- time, let alone best tag team matches of all time, like you kind of deserve this. And I think just this year, um, even if they broke up, let's say like they Dax was a single wrestler after this, they could probably still be wrestler uh, tag team of the decade just because of how impactful uh, they were this year. Truly an amazing run. Am I crazy or didn't they? It was was it like four or five days either before or after that Supercard of Honor match? They also had a banger with 
the young bucks, right? Yeah, it was it was yeah. like the, it was the dynamite. Uh, the next like it was like three days later, two days later, they had that amazing, amazing well, match with the young second bucks. Match. Yeah, yeah, which which is just like it's almost forgotten. Like for me, like I literally just thought about it because you said four or five, you know. And you wrote an article matches. on it on the website wrestlingleadus.com. Yeah, how could you forget? You know, the, just too all much that quality. content creation, man. That's what are you, just, you doing? Some of this mobile shit. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a vessel. I'm a vessel for, uh, you know, it, it comes to me. I don't come up with it. You know. It, they had two great matches too with both tag teams in United Empire of Great O'Conn and Jeff Cobb and um, Aussie Open. Just whoever you put them in with, they're going to put on a phenomenal match. Well, not really the Gun Club. That wasn't. That. Oh well, <laughs> maybe not that one. Them. You can't help <laughs> aspect. What are you going to do? Everybody has their limits. Yeah. Okay. Let's go into the angle of the year. So we felt that the angle of this year was the bloodline. Uh, dominating WWE, but also including Sami Zayn and and them and their uh, relationship with with Sami has been some of the most entertaining television in some time. Yeah, I I mean for so long Roman Reigns could not get over with the crowd in any sort of fashion, and they found it. This has been phenomenal uh, championship run, great matches, great stories. Adding in Sami Zayn to be that little comedic relief and making him all break and what he says. <laughs> it's phenomenal. He's perfect at it. And the, the payoff once this eventually ends with him getting destroyed or taking a belt, it's going to be great. It's going to be great. I love it. Yeah, I think they've done such a good job. The bloodline legitimately feels like a Samoan mafia essentially totally, totally. whereas like they've done you know they've had their like kind of mafia wannabes or you know because there's that there's even that guy yeah. with tony d'angelo down in yeah, the full-blooded italians God. uh down in uh, tony d'angelo currently in nxt and it all feels like somebody trying to come off like they're a mafia person whereas like in this case like they genuinely feel like they run shit um you know nothing happens without uh, the blessing of the tribal chief and just that whole the ego that Roman has with the tribal chief stuff. And like, you can tell he really doesn't even respect his, uh, you know, his, his cousins, the Usos, but he keeps them around because they're good for him and all of that stuff. Like there's so much that you can dig into from a like story and like what they're telling with him. Uh, and then adding on top of it, Sami Zayn, he's been phenomenal. Like you said, makes me laugh um you know yeah that's the first wwe shirt i've bought in probably four or five years was uh the honorary shirt and we even did a little <laughs> me and so me and a buddy we both we each bought a shirt and then we bought our third buddy we showed up to a party uh well not a party it was three of us uh and we showed up wearing the shirt and our buddy was like bummed he's like you guys plan this shit and then we did the whole uh the exact same thing where he's like we're uh we're romans like I don't ever want to see you wear that shirt again. This is what you wear. And then we threw him one. Uh, we did the whole bit. So it was, um, it's reality. been so fun. It's been fun. And, uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. I'm, I'm sad for the day that, you know, Sammy gets turned on, but I'm also excited for what that means for kind of story purposes. Adding um, to that mob boss, mob mentality kind of story, uh, go back to war games where Roman won't let, Jimmy or Jay, whatever Uso it is, go into the match, send Zam Sami Zayn out, send the the non-family member. Just 
perfect. His his uh, swagger, his style, everything he yep. does has been very top of the mob. Yeah, and it's incredible thinking of like how stale he was as a character and how much he turned people away from WWE and how they could have done this so many years earlier. Like when he had that uh, abortion with The Undertaker years ago, that next night he could have been a heel or he could have just speared his ass and done the heel turn then. And like imagine if they would have done that. It was like, God damn, that could have been such a good timing for that. But whatever they got to it late but it is working now and it's amazing too kind of speaking about taker roman takes just as long as undertaker to fucking walk down to the ring his mannerisms are so slow he does a lot of the same stuff that undertaker did but he still has that insane ability to get everyone super invested super hyped and not going like this is boring like he just has a captivating aura about him and they're tapping into the right aspects of him and uh you know, give credit to them when they do it perfectly. And this is an awesome angle and it's one of the best angles they've done. Um, I, and, and years and years and years, there's nothing you can shit about shit on this angle about. Totally. Totally. Uh, there's been plenty of moments this whole year that have been fantastic, but none better than what we said earlier, stone cold, Steve Austin returning at WrestleMania night one. That's, uh, something I've never seen live. I don't know about you, Chris, but that was before my time in, in live show attendance. So what do you guys I think? Did, I did see him stun Donald Trump, kind of. Oh, oh, so. true. You did. <laughs> yeah, so I did you get seen his two wor- You've seen his two worst stunners. <laughs> two worst stunners of all time, uh, yes. Something about you. Yeah, I bring out the worst in Austin's opponents. <laughs> you make him nervous. Uh, yeah. I, <laughs> I, yeah, to be there in his, you know, hometown especially. So obviously... Stone Cold's going to get a reaction wherever he's at, but to have it there in that moment was yeah. incredible. Um, another thing where it was kind of like a, a poorly kept secret, like I, nobody fully knew what was going to happen. Like you heard that he was going to have a match with Owens. And then when they put it on last, you're like, okay, that's got to be it, right? That's what they're closing this, you know, night one out with. Absolutely just um, something that I'll, I'll never forget. And I don't know that I'll ever feel that there was a, a moment that was more exciting as a fan to be there for. We were, th- we were, you know, fortunate to be there the one time where it was cool for Shane O'Mac to come out before. Now I feel like everybody <laughs> oh, yeah. just kind of rolls, yeah. everybody rolls their eyes now uh, at him. But, you know, that was a great moment and for me before. But I think that this made that seem like blew out know, the water. Yeah, it made it feel like, speaking of FBI earlier, like it felt like Nunzio making a surprise return compared to it because, uh, don't shit on Nunzio. Just, come on. i'll cut that (laughs) yeah cut that (laughs) (laughs) don't need that heat no and you know what oh sorry i was was just gonna say and then even just extending from night one into night two having the uh having Mm -hmm. him come out and save uh pat Pat mcafee after the uh after the the match with (laughs) with mr mcmahon and uh just stunning everybody. Pat McAfee on the ground, pouring beer into his face. Loved awesome. every, every minute of it. Awesome. There's a line from WrestleMania X seven. When Austin comes down to face rock and Jr. goes into this mantra or this, it sounds the most hyperbole written 
sports announcing shit where he's like, Austin has become a folk hero. He's an icon in Texas or something along those lines. But it's really true. Like when we were telling people we're going to WrestleMania, it was like, oh, y'all going to see Stone Cold. And they didn't know who he was, <laughs> but they just or wrestling anymore. But they knew Stone Cold Steve Austin and he was Texas. And that made everyone Synonymous. fucking happy and chaotic as fuck and just super pumped to see him it was an incredible reaction that was like holy shit once in your lifetime thing i can't imagine what it would have been like to watch austin in his prime in 98 or 99 in texas like that would have been even bonkers but he just means so much to people down there so that was cool to witness and like you mentioned alex that was the worst stunner of all time speaking of abortions vince mcmahon wrestling again (laughs) was insane and we all know why he did it because he probably knew it was the last time he was going to be able to wrestle. But that stunner was amazing. Like the worst thing I've ever watched. And it was so much fun how everyone just loved how shitty it was. Like it was just a celebration of crap. <laughs> yeah. I mean, even it was funny because even Stone Cold couldn't help. But oh, laugh. he was dying. <laughs> but I, I wanted to say you, you mentioned how people were like, oh, you're going to go see Stone Cold. Uh, remember we were at the, I won't say, uh, our rival podcast, uh, podcast taping and they were asking people on the street as they walked by, Hey, who's your favorite wrestler? And, uh, the one guy stops and he's like, he's like, do you watch wrestling? And he goes, no, he goes, but I do have stone cold tattooed on my ass. And and you You don't remember that? How do you not? Rec- yeah, he they brought him up on the stage and he showed everybody his ass oh, really? cheek that yeah. had a like, stone cold tattoo. Oh my god! Wow. <laughs> Texas will do things to you, man. Too many I ranch guess, waters. Yeah. yeah, too many ranch waters. Too much Malort. Who knows? <laughs> what a combo! Uh, all right, moving on from our favorite moment of the year to our least favorite or the cringe of the year. I think the uh, consensus here uh, was. The all-out fallout, uh, just that post-media scrum, everything that came with it. I think there's a whole lot to cringe about with it, right? What happened, yeah. what was said, uh, but then even the reporting on it and you know, kind of still continuing. I have no idea. Like For the longest time, I was like, okay, Punk is never going to come back. But now he keeps posting pictures with FTR, and I'm like, maybe he is coming back. Um, I don't love all of that drama still, Like as much as it's like somewhat intriguing and it's something for us to talk about on the podcast that stuff doesn't really interest me. And I know which is, which is crazy, right? Because all pro wrestling is, is storyline drama. Right. But like, I like it when it's, I like it when it's like fake and I can know that it's just a story rather than what's true. What's not, who's happy, who's leaving all of those things. Um, There was a point where, you know, just kind of like seeing everything that was happening was kind of ruining my enjoyment of AEW. Definitely. Uh, So I'm glad that they've gotten on track. And, uh, you know, getting to see this trios tournament with uh, the Bucks and the um, Death Triangle has has helped uh, heal a little bit. But what were your guys' thoughts on it? Um, I'll say, man, this was one of the biggest uh, black eyes to AEW, I think, in the whole run of their promotion. I mean, this was the first, I wouldn't say tragedy because no one fucking died here. CM Punk just acted poorly. Um, but just everyone looked, looked horrible in this. Tony looked like he had no control. Um, Tony looked like he was a poor communicator. He got embarrassed by just sitting there, letting one of his employees just trash mouth everyone else and big time everyone else. Punk looked like he was having 
an insane meltdown that confirmed a lot of the rumors about who he is as a person. Um, and he looked horrible in this. And the fact that apparently he didn't think he did anything wrong or said anything wrong was also a black guy. Um, you don't know if the elite were stirring some things up or letting people be the stirs or communicators of it. And we're just being political. You just don't know, but uh, no one looked good coming out of it. And like you mentioned, like you don't get to see any of this stuff in the ring. And I like watching the bloodline. And I know that Roman doesn't secretly hate his cousins. And I know that Sammy doesn't really want to like kill Roman if he had the chance one on one. And with all these guys, you just don't know like what the hell where they would stand at. Um, and it's sad too. Like you don't want to have wrestlers go to work fearing like there's going to be some weird bullshit confrontation. And this was supposed to be the alternative where it was a happy locker room and it wasn't uh, walking on eggshells and living in fear because of Vince's weird mind games. So it just was a very big black eye for the company that really took a lot of momentum and took a lot of trust in the company away. Um, and there were so many negative uh, things that just spewed out of this. So uh, they've been writing that wrong, but boy, was it nasty looking for a long time. It definitely put a set the company back a couple months. I mean, you you put the the trio's titles right on the elite, and then you strip them the next next day. Um, bright side, we get this great best of seven matches with the Death Triangle in them, but we lost CM Punk. We saw CM Punk for who he just cannot help to be, just be that negative person all the time, and kind of overshadowed plenty of what happened on the the pay per view. Um, Definitely kind of did a number to the interest in AEW at the time, um, but we can only look forward from it in 2023. Yeah, just a thing I'll add to, like like you mentioned, um, who is CM Punk? And there's they did so much for him in AEW uh, from a presentation of his character and just who he was, do- you know, his matches he had and um, things that he got to do in wrestling. And if that doesn't make him happy, you just feel sad for the guy of like, what's going to make you happy as a human being. Um, And then you think naturally, I don't think anything could make you happy. You just seem like a miserable person. And you don't want to think that about him, especially after um, he did have that remarkably positive comeback. And there was a good ESPN article about him being a role model to people backstage and working with like Hobbs and Starks and FTR. And you wanted to think like, okay, things are good. And with the bad reporting that also goes on in wrestling, and that was another fallout of this, you just didn't know who he really is. And if that's all we get to see as the real him was the press conference, doesn't look good. Uh, and then there's here we had an honorable mention uh, on our cringe of the year uh, being hard to miss uh, Vince McMahon and yeah. the <laughs> and the uh, stuff that happened with him. Uh, and if you're wondering why Chris is giggling there, I accidentally added that as a honorable mention elsewhere in the awards show. Uh, I've cut that. Um, oh, I wasn't going to say I was going to let people guess, but yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, that's like on my face, but um, I think that it's another thing where it's cringe what happened. It's cringe why it happened and, and all of that. But I think WWE is going to be better off without him, both from an executive standpoint and from a product standpoint. 
Um, when you have an executive that's paid out $17 million in, uh, you know, hush money to, you know, women that he's, you know, harassed essentially and, um, you know, held their careers over their heads. Uh, you can't, you can't be running a business that way anyways. But then if you also just look at the way that they've been selling out shows because Triple H is actually putting on interesting wrestling and isn't, it's not schizophrenic shows that are put together an hour before they go live. I think long-term it's what's best for the company, but it's embarrassing that it had to happen this way. It's embarrassing that Vince supposedly wants to come back. Um, I I don't think there's any chance of it. I don't even think that it's really something like I thought about writing an article about it, but I was like, there's no need to, I just don't see that as a realistic possibility. Um, and, and you know what, I think that it, it's it's really opened the door for myself even to, I've watched more WWE in the last five, six months than I really had other than WrestleMania in quite some time. And um, we're even going to a show, a couple of us uh, at the beginning of the year. So I think I think things are looking up for it, for WWE, but I hate that that's what was the uh, the cause. Yeah, Vince always took the enjoyment out of WWE when it came to the booking, when it came to just knowing some of the horrible stuff that's gone on that you're like, God, he just he had a part of that. And you and there's so many things you could list as a fan where your faith in the company got shit on and pissed on because of hearing things that he did from a misconduct standpoint or just a tone deafness with some of the angles that they've done, the way they've presented people, things that they've done in terms of who they support, the deals that they've done. There's so many negative things about Vince. And then you find out these accusations that are just not surprising at all. Um, and just very, very sad and abuse of power. Um, and because Alex and I are HR nerds, just the simple stuff of like, how could you promote someone <laughs> to, to like that, that part of the story of like, how could she get a $300,000 raise? You try to make that happen. Or like, how could she be paid that much? And how was she allowed to transfer like that? Like that shit got me all riled up because of our nerdery. Um, but then, you know, the real serious stuff of like unsolicited dick pics, no one to go to, no one to turn to. And quite frankly, uh, I don't think we really got to the bottom of this from a public relations standpoint and to really know what went on in that investigation. Yeah, they're a public company, but boy, it sure didn't trickle out a lot of who knew what and what the board of directors did or didn't know. And I don't think we'll ever really know some of this stuff. Um, And things could get really messy if he does try to come back. And that's going to be another very, very sad story because um, he's a failure at everything else he's done. You know, he's not going to make yeah. iCurl Pro great again. He's not going to make bodybuilding great again. He won't be able to make America great again, possibly. Um, so, you know, you just it, it's it's scary to think like what this guy with all this power and ambition, but is a just a human catastrophe, too, and just a tragic person in himself, uh, from what we know, allegedly. Uh, it's just it's scary to think what's going to be the next chapter for him. I don't see a lot of positives for the next phase of his life, unfortunately, or, or, or fortunately, yeah. maybe this is what he did. De- I mean, this is kind of what he deserves though. Yeah. And just, uh, my last thing to add to that is I think one of the most sad parts about the whole situation is knowing that it wasn't that big of a surprise. Like when, when the allegations started to come out, I, there wasn't a, I wasn't doing a shocked Pikachu face. It was, oh, that's probably right. Yeah, that's 
that's kind of says all you need to say about somebody. Chris, on to promo of the year. Yeah, not good. Okay, so this one's tough. Um, so obviously it's going to go to MJF, but what promo, you know, is 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 his best of the year? Um, from my vantage point, I would say the promo um, that he gave uh, in the build to Revolution where he talked about being bullied uh, because of his faith and uh, background and then his dyslexia and how that kind of tied into his obsession with CM Punk. And that was a f- the first time that fans saw MJF as maybe a sympathetic character and something of a baby face, when in reality, it's clear manipulation. Um, but it was a masterwork of a promo. And that was the initial thing that skyrocketed MJF, MJF up into the eyes of any wrestling fan or anyone who really covered or followed this seriously, thinking, okay, he's not just doing a good promo now this is this is the best of all time like this guy's a fucking genius that's supremely better than everyone else um but i know we had a couple of honorable mentions with him so what other uh mjf promos did you guys want to discuss for me i think the one that came to mind the one that i had sent over when we were doing show notes was the pardon my take pre-recorded promo that he did right before the match with mox that was just so well done. Every single part of it was perfect. I think what gives it what you kind of dock it on a little bit, though, is the fact that it wasn't a live in front of the audience promo. Um, but it was just it was five minutes of him just once again, like he does such a good job of talking, talking up his opponent while also talking them down as a character uh, and kind of acknowledging who they are and things like that. I absolutely loved that promo. Um, I think when I like think of like the content of it, I, I think it might have been my favorite. But like I said, I think it what hurt it was the fact that that was, um, you know, a pre-recorded thing. Also, just to have it on, you know, one of my favorite uh, podcasts as well. Like just the tie-in, like the fact that they made it seem like a little bit of a, um, it just made it feel more real. I think that, that right. that's what it came down to. It, it made it feel like a real feud because he also cut that promo on on the podcast in the real world and outside the ring to all the people who don't watch wrestling yeah he he was someone who always made you feel something and in in due time or short order he would make you realize it's a psychological mind fuck he was just perfect at tugging at those heartstrings and then giving you the middle finger the the jew boy the dyslexia promo definitely probably takes the cake just because it was in ring but like alex said being on pmt it was pretty cool to just have everyone else experience that more than just the being an asshole in an interview, but kind of speaking his mind and his, his truth. Yeah. Oh, do you have something, Chris? Yeah. And then we, he had highlights as well with his one where he tried to get fired, the shoot yeah, promo. Yeah. That was a masterpiece as well. I think we did like an annotated article on that on the website, wrestlinglatest.com. Uh, and then he also did a great one about William Regal and how he, uh, in Max's eyes, fucked him over and made him want to kill himself. Um, just a master manipulator and a master storyteller. The guy could do a one man show and it would be captivating to see. Yep. I, that was all I was going to add was that uh, fire me promo. That one. I even have some friends who, who like kind of, vaguely pay attention to wrestling but don't really pay attention to AEW at all that were messaging me after that 
asking, was that real? What was that? So yeah. <laughs> uh, there was like, there was, there was a good five or six promos from MJF this year that we could have chosen. And he took three months off. That's right. Yeah. He was gone for a while and he's not on TV all the time. Like, mm-hmm. yeah, it's amazing. Really puts in that work. And the final elite of the year goes to an obscure independent wrestler from the year who, uh, we don't see all the time. And that goes to someone we saw WrestleMania weekend, Speedball Mike Bailey. Alex? Yeah, Speedball is somebody whose name I've heard for years, but he was banned from America for working here without a visa. So he had five years where he couldn't come here. And uh, so I never really watched too much of his stuff, but he's finally able to wrestle in America again. And he took full advantage of it, trying to make up for all those matches he missed, uh, specifically just during wrestling WrestleMania week. Uh, we saw him at Bloodsport. We saw him at the WrestleCon show. Um, I think we saw him a third time somewhere else. I New Japan, remember where. Japan versus Jay Lone Star. Yes, yep, he was. And every single match, he's got such a unique style. Um, and, you know, he kind of he ma- meshes in some martial arts with what he does. Um, he's got that just big smile like the whole time he's fighting, which is really funny to me. Um, and him versus Bandito was great. Um, I can't remember who he faced at Bloodsport, but um, just overall, you know, he didn't win. I don't think any of the matches we saw him in, but every single time he looked like somebody who is going to be a star. He also had a near 60 minute uh, match with Josh Alexander on a random episode of Impact recently for the uh, world title. I think Josh Alexander is another guy who if he if he would have partaken at uh, WrestleMania week a little bit more, we probably would have considered him for this spot too. He's had a great year. Um, great former tag team member uh, or tag team partner of Ethan page. Would love to see him uh, and page re uh, get, get back together and start the North in AEW. but yeah, speedball for me um, just, he makes me want to see, what every time I hear about a dream match he's having, I know he also had a match with um, Takeshita, I believe, at uh, some mm. some West Coast West Coast um, Pro yeah. promotion this year. Yeah, and you know Takeshita is another person who I I guess we wouldn't really consider him for this because he is officially an AEW person, but uh, was a Rookie of the Year candidate here. So him and Speedball, I'm sure, was a great match. Yeah, it was someone I didn't know before WrestleMania weekend, and he caught your eye at every time that he performed and um, got the crowd over and did a great job. And like you mentioned, he's just a, a very fun wrestler to watch and one of the better indie talents. Uh, now he's with impact. I believe he signed with them long-term um, or is going to sign with them long-term and wants to stay with them just because he's happy with his push apparently, but good for him. The guy's great. And um, he's going to be someone ha- who has a great impact and is going to be, someone that will probably come through the forbidden door one day and have a great match and moment uh, down the line. I think he's a fantastic wrestler and we really like his work. It's just unique and different and authentic. His, uh, his look to me, he looks like a, like a, like a henchman in a martial arts movie. Like damn right. Like he just, (laughs) he just, he, he has something about him that uh, looks like an eighties, an eighties henchman. I'm not the first one who said this. I, I, I've read it elsewhere too, but like I, my first thought was like um, the John Cusack character in that eighties movie where he wants to be a kickboxer. 
where, where they play <laughs> yes. in your eyes, whatever the fuck that movie's called, the um, Cameron Crowe movie. But that's exactly like, oh, yeah, that's who he that character would have become is him like mullet and everything. Yeah. <laughs> Just like it's so yeah. perfect. Yeah, it is. I, I'm excited to see more speedball. And, um, you know, I know, unfortunately, you can't make it because uh, you'll have a new member of the family. But Sean and I will be attending uh, an impact pay-per-view in March. And I can't wait to see where uh, what he's doing. Enjoy oh, your yeah. freedom. Oh, yeah. That'll be fun. <laughs> All right. Well, that's going to do it for the Wrestling Elitist Elites. This has been, again, one of the best years in the history of professional wrestling just for match quality and then just from what the fuck is going to happen this week. I think honorable mention of just weird shit like Tony Khan buying Ring of Honor, the New Japan <laughs> Forbidden Door show. I mean, there were so many things that happened that were beyond the scope of what a normal wrestling year would look like. So we want to thank you for listening to the show and following us throughout the year. If you want to support us, please give us a five-star review on iTunes or Spotify or wherever you listen to your podcast that does help the show. It'll give us a boost. We'll get hopefully a better potential sponsor that way. <laughs> the more that you give us those five-star reviews, we'll get a little bit better visibility and the ability to create better product for you all. Follow us on social media at Wrestling Elitist Podcast on Instagram and on Twitter. And of course, please visit and bookmark our website at WrestlingElitist.com. It's been a fantastic 2022. We're going to have an even better 2023. Rick Rude. Hit the music.